All right, so one day Jesus was asked a very important question, and the answer to that question that Jesus is going to give really has a huge impact on what we're going to do at the very end of our service today. And so a scribe asked Jesus this question. He said, which commandment is the most important of all? Now, that's a great question. And you need to know that Jesus didn't waste any time in answering it. And so how did the Lord answer it? He quoted Deuteronomy uh, from Deuteronomy 6. He said very quickly to this scribe, the most important commandment is here. Now, in Hebrew, the word here is shema. And so maybe if you've been with us to Israel or you know um, some Jewish people, you've heard of the Shema. It's the here. It's hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. And you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength. Ladies and gentlemen, those powerful words make up the first and the greatest commandment in all the Bible. We're talking about Genesis through Revelation, all the scriptures. There's no other commandment greater than what you see on your screen right there. But Jesus wasn't done. You see, after sharing the first great command, he then shared the second great command by quoting from Leviticus 19. He said, the second is this, you shall love your, and can everybody please shout out the next word there? Neighbor. You shall love your neighbor as yourself, There's no commandment greater than these, all right? And so according to Jesus, the two most important commands, love God, love your neighbor. Love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. So last week is all about go, right, and make disciples of all the nations, And now this week, which is a key ingredient to effectively carry out the Great Commission, this week it's all about love. Today we're going to focus on that second commandment, and that is to love your neighbor. And so Jesus wanted to make sure all of us knew exactly how to apply this command in our everyday lives. And so the way he did that is he shared a parable, which, by the way, is his most famous parable of all. And that's the parable of the Good Samaritan. Now, I think probably 95% of you or more have heard this parable before, but I want you to hear it with fresh ears, with fresh uh, hearts today, and I want you to ask you to humble your heart and see if maybe the Lord wants to say something to you today. And so Jesus shared this story, and if I could get an an usher to bring me some water, that'd be great, because I'm dealing with some throat issues today. Excuse me. And so Jesus uh, shared this parable. He said that one day there was a man, apparently a Jewish man, who was leaving Jerusalem and going to Jericho. And he was on a very dangerous road that was uh, frequented by these cruel bandits. And so he's on this road. I want you to picture it. Jerusalem down to Jericho. It's uh, a windy, dangerous road. Uh, Thank you so much, brother. And um, he's there, he's walking down this road, and as he's going, sure enough, the bandits come out from where they're hiding, and they attack this guy. They attack him, they beat him to a pulp, and they strip him of his clothes and leave him for dead. 
So I want you right now to picture that, right? Let's make the Bible come alive in our minds. So I want you to picture this guy. He's lying on the side of the road. He's in a pool of his own blood. He's so beaten up, he can barely even move. And Jesus continues with the parable. He says, along comes a priest. Now, if you're new to the Bible, a priest in the Bible is a Jewish priest. The priests were the ones who uh, ministered in the temple in Jerusalem. And so this guy is religious. But how many of you guys know that religion cannot change your heart? No, 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 no. Religion cannot change anybody's heart. Only a relationship with Jesus Christ can change your heart. Okay, and so I would never want you to forget that. But here comes this religious guy, a priest, and he sees the guy on the side of the road. And what does he do? He makes a choice. How many of you guys know that life is filled with choices and we will one day be held accountable for our choices? Wow, I heard one person say amen here. This is the interactive portion of the gathering. I love it when you guys talk back to me. Just make sure it's positive, not negative, okay? So how many of you guys know, first of all, if you're with me, say amen. amen. How many of you guys know that life is filled with choices and we will be held accountable for our choices, right? Yeah, absolutely. And so this guy's held accountable for his choice. His choice to go to the other side of the road and keep on walking. I don't know what he was thinking. Maybe he was thinking, man, I worked all day. This is inconvenient. I'm tired. I'm hungry. Somebody else will take care of him, I'm sure. And he just kept on walking. But then, Jesus said, a Levite comes walking down the road. Now, a Levite is also a religious guy, right? The priests were from the family of Aaron, the tribe of Levi. The Levites were from the tribe of Levi, but not from the family of Aaron. And so they assisted the priests in the Jewish temple. This guy is also a Jew. And the guy, by the way, in the pool of blood is a Jew. And he looks at him, and he probably thinks, whoa, he looks really bad. I should probably stop. But you know, if I do that, those bandits might still be around. And I'm, I might get jumped too. Can't do that. And he made a choice, the wrong choice. He went to the other side of the road and he kept on walking. Now, let me ask you a question. Those two guys, the priest and the Levite, were they loving their neighbor as themselves, yes or no? No. And so here comes a Samaritan. Now, when Jesus said Samaritan to this Jewish crowd, there was a gasp. Why? Because according to John chapter 4, verse 9, the Jews have no dealings with the Samaritans. It's called racism, everybody. And so the crowd gasps, right? Because the Jews look down their noses at the Samaritans. And so here comes a Samaritan, and when he sees this guy bleeding on the side of the road, he had a choice as well. And so what did he choose to do? Before I get into that, I want to just tell you that when he saw the man in need, Jesus said that he had compassion. Give me one second. Let me take a drink of water. <laughs> That's awkward, isn't it? <laughs> Who cares? It's just us. All right. So he has compassion. He has compassion on this guy, 
And what does he do? He has compassion, listen to this, not when it's easy. Anybody can have compassion when it's easy. He has compassion when it's hard, when it's inconvenient. And so what did this good Samaritan do? Well, as most of you guys know, there's a lot of animosity between the Jews and Samaritans back then. And so even though there's racial tension in the culture, even though the bandits might still be around and jump him, even though it was not convenient, even though he's probably tired, he's probably busy, he probably wants to get home, and even though he knew if I stop, this is going to cost me, what does he do? Jesus said he went to him. And he bound up his wounds. Where did he get the strips of linen to bind up this guy's wounds? You think he was carrying a first aid kit on his donkey? No, probably his own robe. So he tears his own robe, making strips of cloth. And then not only that, he poured on oil and wine on the wounds. Wine would be an antiseptic to cleanse the wound. And the oil would soothe the wounds. And then he set him on his own animal. So now the Samaritan is walking and the injured man is riding. And he brought him to an inn and he took care of him. Now can I ask you guys a question? Was this guy loving his neighbor as himself? Yeah. yeah. So this is Jesus' point. He wants us to know how to apply this second great command. In other words, listen, we can read the Bible all day long and have all this theological knowledge, but how many of you guys know that the Lord did not give us the scriptures to increase our knowledge, but to change our lives? How many of you guys know that, yeah, we can clap for that. It's, it's God's word, right? How many of you guys know that faith without works is dead? How many of you guys know that we should be doers of the word and not hearers only? So this guy actually puts feet to his faith. Unlike the religious guys who had a lot of head knowledge, this guy actually lives it out. And so not only does he do that, Jesus said the next day he took out two denarii. So a denarius is one day's wage for a common laborer in that, in that time. So two days wages comes out of his pocketbook. Two denarii, he gave it to the innkeeper, saying, take care of him, and whatever more you spend when I come again, I will repay you when I come back. So not only does he take care of this guy, but then he follows up on the guy to make sure he's okay later. And so this is what you call love in action. And so when the Good Samaritan saw a fellow human being in need, listen to this, a fellow human being made in the image of God. So how many of you guys know this? That no matter what your skin color, no matter what your culture, no matter what your political leaning, no matter what your religion, no matter who you are, how much money you got in the bank, every single human being breathing air on planet Earth has been made in the image of God. A thousand percent. Listen, if you're not clapping right now, I think there might be something wrong with your heart. I want everybody, please, to let the Lord know that we value one another. We care for one another. Everybody. 
Every single person has been made in the image of God. Their value is priceless. And I'm not saying that they're worthy. Nobody's worthy. All of us are unworthy. That's why we need a savior. What I'm saying is that nobody's worthless. There's a difference between unworthy and worthless. And nobody's worthless. Everybody has priceless value. And if you don't believe that in your heart, man, you gotta examine your heart so that you'll love people across barriers. There's a thousand barriers that separate people today. And I just really wanna go off and preach right now, but a person on the executive team told me that I gotta be careful with my time at 11.35, so I'm gonna keep on going here. According to Jesus, what does compassion look like? Compassion is seeing a fellow human being in need and giving your time and your resources to meet that need. Ladies and gentlemen, that is what it means to love your neighbor. Right there. That's how you apply it. That's how you put feet to your faith. And so when the Lord finished the story, he said this to the scribe. He said, you go and do likewise. Now, how many of you guys know that he wasn't just talking to a scribe 2,000 years ago? Right, part of the bad English, he's talking to all y'all out there and me as well. And so what should we do? We should go and do likewise. What does that mean? That means we, right, this is clear, right? This is not confusing at all, what I'm saying? What does that mean? It means we should love, each one of us as individuals, love the Lord our God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength. And we should love our neighbor as ourselves. And so when it comes to carrying out the Great Commission, as we talked about last week, if we don't do it with love, we're just sounding brass and tinkling cymbal. And so we gotta do both. Carry out the Great Commission, but also make sure we're doing it by carrying out the two great commandments as well. And so, love is the key ingredient to effectively carry out the Great Commission. Now our guest speaker today, when he was a child and when he was a teenager, was a recipient of that kind of love, that kind of compassion. He received compassion from a modern day good Samaritan. And what I love about Jonathan's story is that after receiving that compassion for all those years, now what is he doing? And he's been doing it for years, a lot of years. He now is sharing that compassion with other people. And he's doing that by being a, uh, a, one of the leaders of Compassion International and by overseeing a lot of ministries there in the Dominican Republic. If you remember from last week, Compassion International is a Christian humanitarian organization whose mission is to release children from, I love this, spiritual, economic, social, and physical poverty and enable them to become responsible, fulfilled adults, Christian adults, okay? And so that's a mouthful. So in a nutshell, what is the mission of compassion? It is to release children from poverty in Jesus' name. Now, that's the kind of organization that I can get behind. And so here to tell you more about his story of life change and to tell you a little bit more about Compassion International 
straight from the Dominican Republic, is Jonathan Almonte. Can you guys give him a warm Calvary welcome? I think I turn it on. Yeah. Good morning, Calvary. I mean, it's good afternoon already. Uh, it's, it's, it's a great joy to be here. And let me just tell something that I don't want to get in trouble, but I can feel energy in this service. <laughs> Praise the Lord. I uh, come from a family background where witchcraft uh, was the main thing. Uh, most people will consider themselves Catholic in Latin America, but in our family, we worship uh, demons. Uh, people will know these as Santeria or Voodoo. And since I remember, my, both of my grandparents were witchcraft priests. That, that was people will come to their house to read their hands and to let, let, get to know their future and things like that to the point where uh, some of my aunts and uncles and cousins are named after demons. The irony of this is even though we're in poverty, we don't have food to eat, there is food in the altar of these demons uh, in, in this place in, in the house of my grandfather. And it is in this context that my mother grew up with 20 plus other siblings. Sadly, because of that reality, there, there was a culture of abuse, both physical and sexual. And sadly, my mother was abused by an uncle. She denounced that to my grandfather. He didn't believe, and she ended up in the streets homeless. She ran away from family. And in the midst of this reality, she finds this restaurant where she could work for 24 hours, depending on, on the tipping, which is not a good Dominican culture, at least in the DI. And she was sleeping in the resting time in a table in the back of the restaurant, but that was her house. My mother will often tell me while growing up that she hated nights because she didn't have a place to leave. And when night approached, it was a remembrance of her reality. Uh, she met my father, an alcoholic that used to attend this restaurant. She eventually get pregnant to realize he had a wife and four daughters. Therefore, things started just to get worse and worse. And now my father uh, let her know about that, but he wants her to abort. Thanks God, she didn't do it. She decided to keep going, and I'm grateful for that. I wouldn't be here without that. And, but my father was mad. My father was mad at her. And, and so he, as a punishment, he, he said, I'm not going to give my name to Jonathan. And in fact, I got something called late birth certificate declaration. That means for five years, my father didn't name me and my mother couldn't. Back in the 90s, in the law, was not allowed for a single mom to name a child after her. And so eventually he did it, but the, if, if you're following me, the effects of poverty are reaching me. She didn't have any prenatal care, and she's pregnant, giving birth to this boy without prenatal care, 
She didn't have calcium through the pregnancy. So when I'm growing up, my teeth were very weak. When they, when they were born, they almost fall down. And because we didn't have money to pay a dental care, she went to a university, which I think was a great idea because she talked to a professor, a dentist, and, and they did a treatment so I could receive uh, the dental care that I needed while the professor will teach students. And I remember this big room where they will put me a force jacket, they will tie me to a bed with an open mouth machine that I hope you never have experienced, but that keep your mouth open. Um, and I know I'm describing a trauma right now. Is there, is there a dentist here this morning? <laughs> Normally, if there is one, they don't raise their hands. Don't worry, I don't hate you anymore. <laughs> so, but, but that was a reality uh, because I was a child and, you know, it, it was a very long dentist process and they didn't use any kind of uh, a pain reliever. It was just a mess. It's, it's, I, 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 I really don't hate dentists anymore. <laughs> God, God restored my heart. In the midst of all of that, uh, the sad part is the understanding at, at, the, at a young age that I had that I don't, we don't have enough resources not even to take care of our own health. And I'm working in the streets selling juice and empanadas, being a dumpster diver, literally diving into garbage, looking for plastic to recycle. I, I haven't shared this, but I almost got killed one day in, in, in that environment because there's human traffic, there are children being abused, there are children exposed to drugs and, and all sorts of things. And in the midst of all of that, I don't understand poverty. For me, that's life. It's, it's everyday life. It's, it's okay for me, for example, that my shoes were broke. We're broken, I had holes down here. I had to take cardboard, put it inside the shoes every day to avoid my foot to get burned because it frequently get burned in the weather that we have in the DR. And, or, or it got damaged because it was raining or my shoes eventually started to flip-flop. Uh, you say uh, talkie shoes, we say hungry shoes. Pastor Matt says biting shoes. That's a new one that I learned this weekend. Mine were the three things at the same time because they were like flipping and... But my mother, she knew education was the way out. Therefore, even though I didn't have a uniform, she found a way to talk to a neighbor to lend me their uniform, their child uniform, so I could go to school four hours in the morning, run back at noon, keep it as clean as possible, and give it to the guy to go to the school in the afternoon. I'm very thankful for them for allowing me to do that. In the midst of all of this, again, I don't understand what poverty is. And, and there is a reason I'm emphasizing children don't understand what poverty is. And, 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 and here is why this is important. If they don't see hope, they will repeat the cycle because that's life. That's reality every day. And so I do remember getting to school one day and then suddenly I'm shaking, I'm trembling, I'm sweating, and I'm feeling cold at the same time. Doesn't make sense. But I got to school, to the principal office. They gave me a cookie, and immediately I'm healed. I mean, my body immediately is okay, because I didn't understand if you don't eat for days, your sugar level come down, and, and your body will start to react to, to your reality. 
Thanks God I didn't end up with the diabetes situation, but that happens very frequently for the lack of food. In the midst of all of that, the worst situation for me emotionally was my, the, the, my father. He wasn't at home. I used to meet him once a month for five minutes. I say it was an FBI relationship because I was meeting him in different places. And one day, my mother heard about this local church in our community serving children in need. We didn't know that there was a ministry called Compassion supporting our local church in our community. But again, remember, our witchcraft background. So we were non-Christians. My mother came to this church because they were serving children. I got into this program two weeks later, and suddenly I am attending this church three times a week, uh, Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, two meals a day the dental care that I needed in a private place with one doctor, not students, not for hours. Uh, and for you wondering, these are real teeth, just to make sure. <laughs> because you might be asking, these are, don't think it. It's, these are real. <laughs> so <laughs> I'm grateful for that support from Compassion. So... I, I'm going into this new environment where people is giving me love. Something that I haven't mentioned neither is that I, the very first thing that I was doing was fighting because of the environment of gangs and, and, and violence in my community. I, I, I was fighting every time because I felt that was a way to gain respect in the center. And I was many times abused. And so I wanted to defend myself and these people, I do remember Dulce, our project director at the church, she will say, Jonathan, we love you. You don't have to fight. And that will calm me down to remember, you're not on the streets anymore, so you don't have to behave that way. And, and in the midst of all this process, I had the opportunity not only to go three times a week. In fact, I went to the center all days. We didn't have any food, and so they allowed me to go to Tuesday and Thursday with the other kids. And then suddenly I'm having letters coming uh, through someone that I was supposed to call my sponsor. And I would like to share with you a little bit of my sponsor, Jamie. She will send me small notes like this one. Uh, good, good afternoon, Jonathan. I wanted to send you a little note to let you know that I was thinking about you. Uh, it is getting warm up here in Michigan. Uh, I can read everything. Love, Jamie Boilema. I just wanted to point out, uh, Jamie was 26 years old. He was going back to college, struggling financially. I later realized that very recently. And she's in this event, and people are talking about compassion. And, and she told me I was deciding to go to college. College students are poor. That's what I have here. And so she's like, I need to go to school. I need to buy a car. And, and now there is this compassion thing of children. And somehow she is stepping faith in and sponsoring me, which I'm grateful she did. But her letters meant a lot because she sent this small note in a moment where still today my father has never called me to say that he was thinking about me. Something as that will be considered insignificant, like this note, um, it meant a lot for me still today. Uh, it didn't make sense why Michigan was warming up. I always say that we have two seasons in the DR, summer and summer. And, but now I know. 
now I know. I, I called the refrigerator in Michigan. Okay, yeah, I make fun with her of how cold it is there. Um, she sent me another letter that I want you to, to see. Hello, Jonathan. Happy 15th birthday. I hope you have a very enjoyable birthday. And then she speak of what she's doing in, in Michigan and all that. In fact, she, she says at the end, keep on preaching. Love, Jamie. Uh, Jamie, thousands of kilometers away, thousands of miles away from the Dominican Republic, remember my birthday every year. More importantly, my birthday indeed was enjoyable because the church provided for me the only cake that I could eat once a year on my birthday at the church that they celebrated because of Jamie. And my father have never called me for a birthday. And I say this because he only called me once, but he made the mistake to say, oh, your mom told me that it was your birthday today. And so it didn't mean anything. This letter is also very important because he says, greeting Jonathan from the state of Michigan in the United States. How are you doing? Uh, did the hurricane affect you at all? Very important because we are in the hurricane path. You, you, you have been affected by hurricane as well. So what, when this letter came, a hurricane affected us. Uh, we, our house was full of water, half of the small shack where we live for two weeks. And my father doesn't know if I was alive. In the same country, he didn't come by to see if I was alive. But this, this woman from Michigan in the United States remembered me after her came. In fact, she says, happy 14th birthday. She remembers my birthday every year. And in the midst of this letter writing process back and forth, God is showing me his love. I got baptized at 12. Um, I, be, I always say that I became a Christian through the 700 Club. I don't know if you have, have, have listened to this. And this is, this is more important. I, 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 at the church, they were speaking about hell and all of that. And, and, and I was traumatized as a child. I was like, no, I'm not, I don't want to go to hell. So I went, to, I went home and there's this guy in the 700 Club repeating the call to salvation. And so that's why I say I made my decision for Christ 700 times in the 700 Club. Because I was every time repeating like, oh, Jesus, yes, I need you. I don't want to go to hell. I, I tell this as a, and it is funny, but it was a blessing. I got baptized. I was given for the very first time the opportunity to preach at church. And, and, and this, is, this is a fact. I, 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 and it is true. I put Jesus in the womb of the fish and Jonah in the cross. And people laugh about that. You wouldn't realize that people got saved that day. Bad theology, but God used it. Don't do it. You don't do it. Don't do it. In the midst of all these, the church is providing, I'm learning English from a Russian professor, from a Haitian professor, and a Dominican professor. You can realize my accent. It's a, it's a Russian hating Dominican English. My father uh, realized that I met his family. Three of my uncles, when I was 14, introduced me to my father's family to realize they had no idea that I existed. And I was talking that with my older sister last, last, last week. And she told me, I wish I could know that I had a brother because I have four girls. So I never talked to my dad. He realized when I was 14, he was angry 
He came by, I got into the car, and he said, why you met my family without my permission? And I said, hey, Dad, I'm sorry, uh, beautiful family. And then he interrupted me and said, neither you or my brothers have the permission to get involved in my life. You have to understand, you're a mistake in my life. And let's pause for a moment, because at that right moment, I'm, again, as I said, like, you know, getting to know the Lord, growing in faith. My mother became a Christian at church. And then I'm faced to a new, a new way of poverty, that what we call emotional poverty, that we all have experienced. Some of you have shared testimony with me on how you also have gone through difficulties and worse like this one. And that really hit me. I cried for, ye- for days and I started to hate my father. I started to arguing with the Lord. I couldn't understand how a good God who loved me still allowed the poverty that I'm going through and my father saying that he hates me. Because there is a fact here. Nobody gave me a menu to be born when I was born. I was just born. And, and, and I didn't choose the reality. I, I wasn't given a menu. Uh, I was just born. And I'm, I'm struggling in my faith. I'm angry. And then God used Jamie through this letter. Maybe the most important letter Jamie sent me. Greeting Jonathan from Michigan. She's very proud of Michigan. <laughs> we received our first lesson of no today on Thanksgiving. No idea what that was. But she explained, she says, on Thanksgiving, today is a great day to reflect on all the things that I am thankful for. And you are one of those that I am greatly thankful for. I wish you, I wish you and your family a Merry Christmas. It is because of Jesus' birth that we can have hope and assurance of eternal life after death. These are the two things that I want you to see in the letter. Number one, Uh, even though I couldn't have a father, God provided a local church. God provided people who put out his love to me. God provided a cook, even though I didn't have food, maybe the most important person in my church, who, who literally fed me for years. And, and, and my sponsor, Jamie, she doesn't think that I'm a mistake. In fact, on Thanksgiving, where Americans celebrate about thankfulness, She's thankful about me. And second, most importantly, my assurance and hope doesn't come from my father. My assurance and hope comes from Jesus' finished work in the cross. And today, I not only have assurance and hope for, for this moment in life, I have hope and assurance for eternity. Faced to the reality that I was one far away from the grace of God, but I was brought near because of the blood of Jesus. When I was his enemy, he gave me forgiveness. Therefore, one of my tutors at church said, who are you not to forgive your father? And I was faced to this letter and to that conversation and called my father trembling and shaking and said, Doc, I'm sorry to be a mistake in your life, but you have to admit that I have the best mistake you have ever made. It was, he was laughing and, well, he was crying. He was crying a lot. He, he apologized. And I said, God is going to use this. That's what they said at church. And, and today, this morning, I see that God indeed is using those brokenness for his glory. I'm running out of time as well, but let me show you a picture of Jamie. Uh, Jamie is, a, is in her 40s. 
I get the chance to meet her. She's a mom of four. And she told me, Jonathan, I never imagined that a mother will make such an impact in someone's life. And this is the invitation for you, church, this morning. These children right here, uh, when you decide to sponsor them, you're not doing a simple thing. By the way, being a mom is, for me, in my opinion, one of the most important jobs on earth. My mom is my hero, and I respect moms. So I told her, uh, God used you not only to change my life, but also my mother, who, while I was attending the church, she went to university and now is a professor. My mother, it took her, it took her 10 years, but, but she eventually graduated through those trials. She recently graduated from a master in, in teaching, and she preached the gospel to my grandparents who die as followers of Jesus. Remember the witchcraft? And lastly, uh, my family. Um, I'm happily married to one wife. My wife always asks me why I say that, but it's true. Making my wife happy is very hard. So I can't imagine two wives. <laughs> Just kidding. Uh, no, it's, it used to be happy wife, happy life. Um, now it's happy children, happy house. And so I'm so thankful. And, and here's the thing. I, I guess I got a bachelor's degree, a master's degree. I'm, I'm, I'm doing all of that. But I now have the joy, as Pastor Mike mentioned, to serve in the Dominican Republic. I just flew out of there yesterday, and I'm flying back uh, next Wednesday because I served 237 churches in the DR. I'm giving back to 68,000 children what someone gave to me. And the reason I remain there, <laughs> man, the reason I remain there is because it has given me more than I, that I deserve. He has given me Jesus. And, and, and this is the fact. Yes, I needed shoes. I needed uniform. I needed the food. Otherwise, I wouldn't be here. But the biggest need that I had was Jesus. The greatest blessing that I have now is that I see, I, I'm going to die one day, and I'm going to see my Lord and Savior face to face for eternity. That's a gift that I can buy. And, 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 and that's the invitation for you today. Uh, for me to be a husband and to be a father and now to give back to other children in need. And as I speak today, we have children from three different countries that Pastor Mike is going to point out. But the invitation is to consider that these children are in the same spiritual need that I was and that God is bringing you the opportunity to make them disciples of Christ through letters. Because again, the biggest need that I had was Jesus. God bless you. Praise the Lord, right? Yeah. Amen. Jesus changes lives. Living proof. But he uses people. And thank God, Jamie, Jonathan's sponsor, loved the Lord her God with all her heart, soul, mind, and strength, and she loved her neighbor as herself. 
And so, you know, when I went to Puerto Rico with my wife and I learned more about Compassion International, I was just blown away at um, their heart for discipleship, discipling kids, and the holistic approach uh, to discipleship, that it's releasing children from poverty, but not just physical poverty, but also social poverty and economic poverty and spiritual poverty as well. And by the way, uh, we have a special guest here as well. Um, he is the uh, overseer of Compassion International in a lot of southern uh, southeast states as well as some northeast states. His name is Mark Palengra. He lives here in Port St. Lucie. Mark, could you stand up and say hi to everybody? Can you guys welcome Mark? So it's just a great organization. And by the way, check this out. Compassion is currently partnered with over 8,200 churches. So I've been in ministry now for, you know, 24 years, I think, and full-time ministry, and that blew me away. Um, In 26 countries that implement their own child discipleship development program. Okay, so I want you to picture in your mind a solid evangelical church with a compassion center, 8,200 of them in 26 countries, and what's happening at each of those churches will most host 200 to 300 children on site each week, 200 to 300 Jonathans in all those churches. Talk about the great commission being fulfilled. It's just amazing, and it goes perfectly with our global missions initiative here at Calvary Port St. Lucie. I shared this last week. We want to partner with Solid Evangelical Churches and Compassion International to fulfill the great Commission. Now, what does that look like, right? So I know a lot of you call Calvary your church home. And so what that looks like in detail is we want to fund church plants or existing churches, but I just always get excited about church plants, but we want to fund church plants and compassion centers. I don't know if you knew this, but every time that you follow the principle of the tithe, and by the way, the tithe gets a lot of flack in our culture today, Um, I'm not talking about a legalistic tithe. I'm talking about a principle in God's word. And I told you last week that the Holy Spirit, I'm convinced about the principle of the tithe. No one will ever change my mind about it because the Holy Spirit spoke to my heart so clearly years ago from a pastor who made this statement. If every American Christian tithed, there would be no need for social welfare in America. And the Holy Spirit spoke to my heart and said, that's true. And so it's a principle It's a principle. Now, here's what I want you to know, that when you tithe here at Calvary, a portion of that tithe goes to local and global missions. So when that account continues to increase, guess what? We're more able now as a church to fulfill the Great Commission. And so fund church plants with compassion centers. Why do you say with compassion centers? Because, ladies and gentlemen, it's 200 to 300 kids that you can go, and you heard Pastor Jorge Bustamante's testimony last week, um, that their team, their church is going, but they're meeting practical needs, and then they're sharing the gospel. And so 200 to 300 kids means 200 to 300 sets of parents, which means a whole lot of gospels going out all around these communities. And praise the Lord, the kids are being taken care of in the midst of all of that. And then you may want to go. And so Pastor Matt talked last week how you can go to our website, sign up for a missions trip, 
and you can get on a plane and go and minister in Jesus' name, it'll absolutely change your life. But I know that a lot of you can't go. But how many of you guys know that the effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man or woman avails much? Prayer changes things. In a moment, you're going to have the opportunity to get up and sponsor a kid, but I know that um, some of you maybe economically aren't able to, but, but here's what you can do. You can pray for these children. That's just as important. Prayer changes things. But also, we want to encourage you, if you're able, to sponsor a compassionate child. And I want you to remember the Good Samaritan. And I want you to remember that he made a choice that even though it was inconvenient and even though it cost him something, he still did something. And so we're talking about $38 a month, which as you'll hear Pastor Matt say in a moment, what is that, one or two meals a month that we sacrifice? And I was so blessed when a lady came to me in between services because here's what you need to know. Not everybody has a heart for this kind of stuff. But a lady came to me after the service and she, with tears in her eyes, had her child up to her chest, and she said, Pastor, thank you for bringing this to our church. And I thought, that just made my weekend mission accomplished. But I hope that will be um, your heart as well. And so what my wife did, and I did, is that we went to Puerto Rico, we learned about Compassion, and then we went on Compassion's website and we sponsored Tatiana and Mateo, you saw their pictures last week. So we sponsored them. Then we got on a plane and went to El Salvador with a, some of you from Calvary. And we went to Calvary Chapel El Sunsal, a solid evangelical church with a compassion center. And they came on the designated day um, for the compassion children. And we got to meet them. We got to meet their parents. And it was just a beautiful, beautiful experience how all of this is coming together. So what does the future hold you know, I feel like we're on a brink of something special here at Calvary because we've always, since day one, when I was in uh, the home of Lee and Julie Holly, first service, 2004, I preached on the Great Commission. So for 19 years, the Great Commission has always been on our radar, and we have been obeying it, but I really feel like right now we're on the brink of something special where we're moving to a whole new level as a local church. But how many of you guys know New level, new devil. So you got to pray that the enemy would be held at bay as we obey the Great Commission with love to take care of these kids. And so uh, in the future, I would love to be able to fund as a local church um, solid evangelical churches with, with compassion centers on every continent, North America, South America, Europe, Asia, Africa, Australia, probably not Antarctica. We'll see. I think there's like five people down there. But uh, we just want to go all around the world. Now, recently, the Lord has called us to one nation, and so this one is next. So we're, we're already um, helping out Pastor Eves, Global Vision Citadel Ministries in Dominican Republic. Uh, we are um, on board with Calvary Chapel El Sunsal in El Salvador. We are... Uh, going in July to Mexico, to Mereda, where there is a, check this out, it's a, it's, it's a beautiful uh, ingredient here coming together, three ingredients coming together, a Calvary Chapel with a Compassion Center and a Calvary Christian Academy. So we're going there in July. Pray that I get my passport back. I just expedited it two days ago, but we're going in July and to see 
how that all works. It's just exciting to me. Um, but specifically, the Lord's calling us to another nation as well. That nation is Togo, West Africa. And so I'm excited about taking the gospel to Africa, our local church doing that. The way that happened was when I was in Puerto Rico with Stacy at the Compassion um, Retreat, um, we were given these books, and my wife and I were sitting together, and you need to know that the Lord spoke to my heart about Togo, West Africa years ago, and it's always been on my radar, and I've always thought, did I miss something? What were we supposed to do with Togo? And here's the thing. I looked at my wife when I got this book, and I said, wouldn't it be funny if the Lord called Calvary PSL to do some work in Togo? And we kind of laughed, right? And I opened this book, and I started reading it. And it wasn't very long before I read a pastor's testimony, and he talked about the work of the Lord in Togo, West Africa. And I'm like, whoa. And I told my wife. Now, some of you guys may say, that's a coincidence. Well, number one, how many nations could this guy have been talking about? But then number two, that same day, that evening, we went to our hotel room. My wife has been following Compassion on Instagram. She opens it up, and it says, please pray for the compassion leaders in Togo, West Africa. And she looks at me, and now we know, all right, we're committed to this. So Pastor Matt, our missions pastor, and I are getting on a plane later this year. We're going to Togo on a recon mission to find out what the Lord wants us to do in Africa. We need your prayers. Please be praying. It's exciting. And so I want you guys to look around at the walls. You see all these children. Um, I was told um, that we've, we've added a fourth nation. So we got Togo, West Africa, we got El Salvador, we got Mexico, and now we have Dominican Republic. Those four nations on the, the tables and then on the walls. And um, if you choose to sponsor a child, you need to know that your monthly donation is going to go to a local church that has a compassion center, okay? And that compassion center, just like you heard Jonathan say, your child that you pick is gonna receive love and education and social interaction and health screenings and nutrition, but most importantly, they're gonna learn about Jesus Christ. So you can actually go through your sponsorship, and that's exciting. Um, very important question, I was asked Saturday night, and so I've been repeating it every service, and that is a lady asked me, and she's right and to ask, how much of my donation goes directly to help the child? And so um, it's 80 to 83%. Now listen, we vetted compassion. We know this is a top-notch, a, a lot of you guys know this already, they've been around forever, top-notch, high-integrity organization and we love partnering with them. So here's what I want to ask you to do. If you're listening, say amen here. Can you please do me a favor? Can we all honor the Lord? If you choose not to sponsor a child, can you please not get up and leave? Because at the end of our gathering, um, when I give closing comments, we're all going to, as a local church, we're going to all pray for these kids. And so can you please do me that favor? Uh, I love you guys, but let's all honor the Lord Stay here till the end. Um, but Pastor Matt's gonna come out, your missions pastor. He's gonna give you instructions. And I just want you to pray. There's no guilt trip. There's no peer pressure. There's no putting your arm behind your back. Some of you guys may already sponsor Compassion Kids. You'll hear about that in a moment. Just, just um, 
do me a favor and let's worship as the worship team comes out, the Lord, and let's make this a time that's really special and let's have our hearts right with, the, with, with God. And so Pastor Matt, come on out and give the instructions. God bless you guys. Folks, a statistic for you to hear, 321 million children and families surviving right now on less than $2 a day. Now, there's 451 million professions of faith followers of Jesus. It sounds like simple math. The problem can be solved to meet the needs of these kids that are in poverty, receiving less than $2 a day. You and I can be a part of that change um, these are the two kids that my wife and I sponsored, um, Valerie and Mateo. We're excited to include them into our family and to know that, um, Jonathan, you share your story that I'm able now to write them and these kids have the potential one day to be on a platform like you. And that's the same for all of you. Um, there's a kid on the wall or on the table right there that might be the next Jonathan with the same story of how God redeemed and restored and renewed. And that's Pretty powerful when you think about it on the grand scheme of things. Yep. So $38 a month, you can make a major difference in the life of a child. That's, like Pastor Mike said, one or two meals sacrificed above your normal giving to Calvary. Um, Compassion will provide you letterhead so you can write your sponsor child, or you can go to compassion.com, and you can write uh, your child through that. But my favorite as I discovered this morning, is the Compassion app, which you can go to if you're Android or iPhone user, you can go to your app store, or your Google Play store, and you can download it right there. And on the very bottom, you can pray, you can wave, you can send a gift, and it tracks um, the last time you talked to them, the last time you sent it, and it's right there in, the, in your pocket, like in the palm of your hand, you can just pull your phone out and you can send a message to the kid that God's tugging on your heart to be a part of their life. It's so simple. I want to give some instructions to you. Um, and so in a moment here, uh, the worship's going to happen after I pray. But before that, um, what you'll do is you'll pick a packet. And so here, here, here's what I want to say. Um, it doesn't matter what packet it is. Uh, please don't shop. Every one of these kids um, on the walls and on the tables, they need a sponsor. And so make a commitment in your heart right now that the first packet that you lay eyes on is the packet that God's leading you to make a difference into their life. And then, and then once you get your packet, go back to your seat and you can open up your packet and inside there is a uh, portion, a tear-off portion where we're gonna ask you to fill out the front and the back. Now, I understand that there's uh, private information that's gonna be gathered. And so, good news, out the back doors, we have a team at the Compassion Tent ready to receive your secure information as it's placed directly into a secure envelope and then handed off to Mark uh, so that we can begin sponsoring these kids. Now for me, I use the QR code. I just took my phone out and I scanned it and then I sponsored my kid right there. I put my private information in right there. That was it. Get this, um, Mark said it's historical. Uh, I downloaded the app a few minutes later and my, uh, my sponsor kids linked. Uh, same day, which doesn't happen in every case. So just be prepared uh, when you download the app. You might, it might take a day or two for you to be able to uh, connect the app, but hey, you never know. You might be like me and uh, see your kid the same day. Now, Pastor Mike said, don't leave until the very end. He's got some closing comments and we wanna do a special prayer 
for these kids. Now, um, these packets, one thing I really wanna emphasize is don't take it home unless you are sponsoring the child. Uh, if you take this packet home without sponsoring, it's gonna be out of circulation for three to six months. So just don't take the packet if you're not gonna sponsor the child. Um, please, 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 please. If you're already sponsoring a Compassion Child, would you please email us at missions at calvarypsl.com. Tell us who you are and who you're sponsoring so that we can let Compassion know for our church analytics. Now, um, last thing, we haven't done this at any other gathering, but Pastor Jorge, love you. Could you just stand up real quick? Um, Mark set you up. Uh, Mark from Compassion, he gave me all the final kids for your Compassion Center in El Salvador. And so when the worship team is playing, I'm just gonna be right here. Anybody who wants to help Pastor Jorge finish sponsoring his kids, I will give them to you. And um, lastly, I, I do wanna pray. And so when you get out of your seat and you come back to your seat, you can worship, you can, um, you can uh, uh, pray, you can, yep. yep. Can you tell them one more time about the QR code? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. I wanna make sure everybody understands about the QR code. Scan the QR code from your phone, open up your camera, scan the QR code, and um, you can sponsor your kid right there. Does that make sense? Yep, pull out your camera, scan the QR code, and the instructions will come right up onto your phone. So I'm gonna pray, and then um, the worship team is gonna take it away. And so God, thank you so much for everyone in this room. Uh, Lord, thank you so much for the opportunity to partner with Compassion International. Thank you for Jonathan's story that a sponsor uh, made it a priority to communicate with him. And God, through that, um, he felt love and he felt valued and uh, that he was not a mistake. And so God, um, I pray for everyone in this room that as they get out of their chair, they grab that packet and they make the difference in the life of a child today. Loving our neighbor as ourself, really living it out. And it's in Jesus' name we pray, amen. Jesus said it. He said, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go, go therefore and make disciples of all the nations. And, and then Jesus reiterated it. He said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength and love your neighbor as yourself. Love is that key ingredient as we carry the gospel and obey the Great Commission locally and globally. That's what these last two weekends have been about. I am so blessed to be your pastor. I wanna thank all of you who are sponsoring, all of you who are praying as well. Uh, listen, um, thank you so much for your heart of compassion, like the Good Samaritan. Uh, if you have any questions at all, uh, the tent is right outside the front center doors, and there's reps there from Compassion that can answer your questions. Um, I also want to say that if you're here today and you're not sure if you have a relationship with Jesus Christ, it's not a religion. It's a relationship that'll change your life. And so I want to encourage you to see Pastor Andrew right after the closing prayer over by the I Have Decided sign. He would love to be able to answer any questions you have. He would love it even more to have the privilege of leading you to Jesus uh, today. I also want to say... Um, thank you again to Jonathan. Can we uh, thank uh, Jonathan for being here? Yeah, thank you so much. Amazing. Absolutely amazing. Um, and I think that's it. Next week we start a new book. I'll tell you what it is next week. Um, and I love you guys. And we're going to all stand and we're going to have a special prayer time now.
for all of these kids. Father, we thank you that when we were in poverty, you sent your son and you gave us hope. And instead of repeating the same destructive cycles, you wooed us and called us and drew us. We put our faith in you, turning from our sins to you, Jesus, alone. You sent your spirit and changed our lives. We're grateful for that. You have released us from spiritual poverty. And Lord, here in America, we are a resourced church. And we want to help unresourced churches in third world nations in the future. We want to help the kids. So Lord, will you empower us to do that? Would you provide for us to do that? And Father, I, I just pray all these things in the mighty and awesome name of Jesus. And all God's people said,